I'm gonna uh, give you some, adm- some amazing advice that was given to me when Stacy and I were going through premarital counseling. All right, are you ready for this? Um, somebody who was a friend of ours and knew we were going through premarital counseling came up and said, I'm gonna give you some great advice. I know, uh, you know, you read your Bible, you pray, and he goes, listen, I'm gonna tell you there's one passage that you can memorize You can pray through, you can do whatever you want to it, but what you can't do is you can never quote it to your wife. I'm like, what? What What is it? And he said, Ephesians 5.22 says, says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. He goes, that verse, never quote it to your wife. It will not yield the results you're hoping it will yield. That was great advice right? Today, uh, you've heard me say time and time again that, that this sermon that was preached, this, this book of Hebrews, we believe, I believe was a sermon that was preached. It wasn't a letter that was written like the rest of the New Testament. It was a sermon that was preached, and we don't know who preached it. We don't know uh, who wrote it down, but we do know who it was preached to, and it was preached to a group of Hebrews. Well, my theory, and this is a complete theory, so, so Take it for what it's worth. But my theory is that the preacher that preached this message was actually a guest preacher and not their regular preacher because the passage that we're gonna have today is a passage that uh, had somebody told me in seminary the same advice that I was given in premarital counseling, it would apply to this passage because this passage is a passage that no pastor should stand up in front of their congregation and quote, I can pray for it, I can memorize it, but it is so awkward to stand up here and tell you what we're gonna cover today. Because there's a passage, a piece of scripture that we're gonna cover today where it's asked you, the church, to obey and submit to your leaders. Let me just tell you, this is awkward. All right, but here's my comfort today. I'm not telling you that. God's word is telling you that. And just like I've preached the rest of Hebrews and I haven't skipped over anything and I haven't glossed over anything, I can't do it with this either just because it's uncomfortable. But here's what I hope that we see today. I hope you don't hear me say, obey and submit to your leaders and that's it. What I hope that we see today is what creates an environment where obedience and submission in a congregation to their leaders grows and nurtures and flourishes. Because here's what we're gonna see today. We're gonna see that trust is the fertile soil. Like that's what you have to have. You have to have trust for obedience and submission to grow. And we're gonna see that as this this guest preacher uh, works through his passage in Hebrews. And as the sermon progresses, what we're going to see is, is, is this need for trust has to be present. Now, before we begin, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want y'all to notice something before we jump into this passage about words in this passage. When it says leaders, notice it's always plural. It never says trust and it never says obey and submit to your leader. It says, obey and submit to your leaders. It says, remember your leaders. It's always plural. There was one kid uh, here at Fellowship that, ca- that told his parents, he couldn't remember my name, and he goes, you know, the boss of church. <laughs> so refer to me. And I was like, oh, how we're thankful that's not true. But when you hear me preach, remember, it's not me 
that you're to obey and submit to. It's leaders, it's our elders. And we've got a team of elders that are fantastic. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about them at the end. But just know that, that when we work through this passage, it's obey and submit to leaders, to your leaders, to the elders of the church. And so let's dive in. All right, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 13, verses seven through 17 is what we're covering. If you need a Bible, there's one right in front of you and it's on page eight, what page? 849 in that Bible. Uh, Or like Laura said, you can open up the Bible app uh, and we're there under events and then under Fellowship Asheville. And in and, and our Greater Than series, we've been seeing over and over again how Jesus is greater than our ups and downs, our, 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 our failures, even our successes, our fears and our doubts. He's greater than everything in our life. And today we're gonna see how Jesus is greater than the most common thing that I think prevents us from developing trust, the most common thing that I think prevents us from obeying and submitting to our leaders, and it's this, that Jesus is greater than my way. Jesus is greater than my way. Jesus is greater than your way. Because you see, when you want my way, when you want your way, when I want my way over what the elders are deciding to do and listening to the Lord to do, what happens is we stop trusting. We stop this need for obedience and submission. We, 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 we destroy that soil for obedience and submission to flourish. Okay, well, let's, let's just dive in and see how this plays out. All right, verse seven, it says, remember your leaders. Now, if you've been to church uh, for a while, you've been under various leaders. You've been under elders, you've been under deacons. Um, uh, you've even been under you know, celebrity pastors. You've been under people uh, who teach uh, through TV and radio and, and, and online ministries. And some have been good and some have been bad, but what this preacher is asking you to do is to consider something about a select group of leaders. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the outcome of their way of life. You see, there's a group of leaders, and and it's a very select group of leaders that you can actually look at the entire span of their life, and you can do something with it. Now, unfortunately, those leaders are dead. That's the only way you can see the entire span of their life. And what this, what this uh, preacher is asking his congregation to do is to, is to remember their church leaders that have already passed away and to remember the outcome of their way of life. Now, here's the good news for us, is that what this means is that if you are still breathing, there's still an opportunity for you to make Jesus greater than your way. Jesus greater than my way. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, there's always an opportunity to turn it around. And, and we've seen that in our culture. We've seen these celebrity pastors where, where they're, they, a lot of times their competency takes them further than their character. And what happens is they implode or sometimes they, they, they explode and, and, and ministries suffer because of it. They suffer, their families suffer, their friendships suffer because of it. But here's the deal, their story isn't done yet. They're still breathing. There's always hope because we have a gospel of hope, don't we? And for you, if you're still breathing, your story's not over. But this this this. Pastor's asking you to do something with this group of of leaders that have passed on. And and look at what he says in the rest of verse 7. 
He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So what you do is you, is you look at their, the span of their life and you pull out of it what was good and what was right and, and you make it part of your life. And that's one of the ways that we can see when Jesus is greater than my way because when Jesus is greater than my way, I can learn from another's way. When Jesus is greater than my way, I can learn from somebody else. I went to the Billy Graham uh, Library in Charlotte um, right, well, it was, it was, was kind of in the story of fellowship right when I started preaching more regularly. And, and honestly, I was really insecure. I, I don't consider myself that theologically smart. Um, I can read well. So if you hear good stuff, it's because I read it somewhere. All right? And, 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 and there was this, this tension in me to try and, and impress with what I know. And, and I, I was kind of wrestling with that. And as I was going through the Billy Graham library, they had, they had samples of his messages playing. And so I just kind of sat in this room and listened to Billy Graham preach. And they had all these pictures of his crusades that were up and literally thousands of people coming to accept Jesus and coming to, to dedicate their lives to follow Jesus. And I listened to his sermons. And if you've ever listened to Billy Graham's sermon, what you hear is very simple truth, right? He did not complicate things at all. And here's why he didn't complicate things. Because he trusted that God was gonna do what God said he was gonna do. And that Billy Graham trusted that if he preached God's word, the scripture says it won't come back empty. That when the word of God is preached, God does something in people's hearts. And so Billy Graham didn't feel this need to complicate things and he kept it very simple because he trusted that if he communicated God's word clearly, people would respond consistently and they did. And I took that and, and imitated it. I realize I don't have to impress with deep and profound knowledge. That clear, simple truth, as long as it's based on God's word, will change people's hearts. And maybe you have a loved one who's passed away and they had this faith in God that was deep and you can look to their life and you can see what faith looks like and you can take some of those things. But there's this warning. Look at verse eight. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For, it's, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. You see, the gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, the, the gospel that this guest preacher preached to this Hebrew congregation is the same gospel that I'm preaching 2,000 years later. It's, it's the same gospel. And as you imitate someone's life, here's the warning that, that he's speaking to. You trust the gospel that's in their life, not the behavior that you see. In other words, if you look at your grandmother's life and you see a woman of, of prayer and you see a woman who, who, who read their Bible daily, which is what I had, and I don't mean just daily like in the morning. I mean every time I was over at my grandfather and grandmother's house, the Bible was open because they read it throughout the day. If you imitate just the behavior, you end up in strange and diverse places, is what this preacher is saying. But when you imitate that faith 
that gospel that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your, and, and, and your grandmother's Jesus is your Jesus. That's what he's talking about. That that's what you imitate. You imitate their faith. That their Jesus needs to be your Jesus. And apparently in this Hebrew congregation, something had been going around with food where, where there was some habit or ritual or, or tradition that they had around food that made them feel more spiritual, right? Maybe the keto diet, maybe potlucks. I don't know what it was, but there was something that they thought, if I do this, I will be more spiritual, and, and, and this preacher is saying, y'all, that is strange and diverse. That is crazy. It is the gospel that you anchor your faith in. Look at verse 10. It says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So, got it? so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I love this guy. I love this preacher. So much fun. Every once in a while, he will divert, he, he will, he will kind of spin off into something that this Hebrew congregation would understand, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm following you, and reread it, and we're like, what in the world is he talking about? Well, let me tell you a little bit about what he's talking about, because what he's doing is he's highlighting this specific person in, in this specific ritual known as the Day of Atonement. It was this day where, and we talked about it before, he's talked about it before, and it was the day where the, 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 the high priest would come and he would offer a bull for his own sin, uh, and so he'd sacrifice a bull for his sin, and then he would take a goat and he would sacrifice that for the sin of the nation, the, the intentional sins of the nation. And then he would take another goat and he would lay hands on this goat for the unintentional sins of the nation and send that goat out into the desert to wander off. Now, what this preacher is highlighting is that something had to happen to, that, to, the, to the carcass of the bull and the carcass of the goat that the high priest sacrificed. They didn't just stay in the temple and rot. All right, so, so here's the scene. This, the, the nation gathers together for this, for, this, for this ceremony where their sins are forgiven and they are clean. And so they come to the temple or come to the tabernacle and they are forgiven and they go home, washed clean. But there's one person who has to take reproach upon themselves because they have to pick up those carcasses and, and everything that's left and they have to take it outside the city gates and, and Leviticus 16 says that they have to burn up those carcasses and then burn their own clothes because they have been stained and defiled. And then they have to take a ritual bath before they come back into the city. And so, so this, the, what this Hebrew is saying is like there's this one person who after the entire nation has been cleansed of their sin, they have to take that sin upon themselves. They're the first sinner if you will, of the entire nation. And they have to take that outside the camp and, and they have to burn it. And this preacher is telling this congregation that, that all of that foreshadows Jesus and you. Because Jesus was the sacrifice that removed sins. 
He was the one that died on the cross, and he too died outside the city, right? If you've ever been to, to Jerusalem, if you've ever been to Israel, the, the place where they believe the crucifixion happened was outside the city gates. That's where he was crucified. And they said, just like the sacrifices of the temple were brought outside the city gates, Jesus died outside the city gates. And your job is to go to him. And the point that this guy is saying is that the guy who had to carry the goat and the bull outside the city gates, they were, they were defiled by that. And they were dirty. And here's the deal. If you're the one that has to go outside the city gates, you have to realize that you too are just like that guy. You were defiled and you were dirty and you need a savior who's waiting for you right outside the gates. Now, here's what it requires where trust is formed and where that trust is the fertile soil where obedience and submission happens because trust is formed in honesty. This guy had to be honest with his condition. He had to burn his clothes. He had to take a ritual bath to go back into the city. And when Jesus is greater than my way, I can be honest about my way. When Jesus is greater than, than what I want above what somebody else wants, when Jesus is greater than my way, I can be honest about my way. You see, we have to be honest with who we are before we can trust Jesus to save us. And here's what I mean by that. You have to be honest that you need a Savior to accept what the Savior has done. You have to realize that you are this sinner. And sometimes I think that's why Paul said he was the chief of sinners. That as he grew in his understanding of God's holiness and as he grew in his understanding of the gospel, he also grew in the depth of his own sin. And see, we're all the dirty and defiled ones who need to be clean. And so this is just a quick little test to access your honesty with God about your own dirtiness and your own defilement. When you pray, how much of that time is spent on confessing your own sin? Is it the first little bit? Is it the part that you pass over? Do you spend more time praying for other people than you do confessing your own sin before God who's already forgiven you because of Jesus? Like, that's the test. And be encouraged because there is hope. Look at, look at verse uh, 14. It says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. And so just like this guy who carried the bull, the, the bull and the goat out to, to burn them up and he had to purify himself before we could go in the city, when we go to Jesus knowing that we are defiled and knowing that we are dirty and when we receive his forgiveness and his cleansing, and that's what the gospel is, that, that his death on the cross and his resurrection paid the penalty for our dirtiness and our defilement and that he forgives us of that. And when we go to him, when we go outside of the place that we call home, which is my way, and we go to him, we get to enter an entirely different new city. We don't go back from where we came from. And this city that we get to enter is a city that will come. 
It's called New Jerusalem. It's called heaven. Jesus told the criminal on the, uh, next to him, dying next to him on the cross, saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the city we get to enter into because we have been cleansed and we have been purified. So now for those of you who haven't said yes to Jesus and for those of you that are here that, that, that church has been about what you do and what you don't do, it's been about behavior. What this preacher would say is that if your faith is based in behavior, that is strange and diverse teaching. Our faith is based in the gospel. That Jesus died for us and, and he made a way for us to have a good and right relationship with God not based on what we do, but based on what he did. And so maybe today would be the day that you yield and submit to that gospel. And listen, if it is you, that Connect card uh, that, that Laura talked about, there's a box on there that you can check that says, interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus. If that is you, put your name and email address on there, check that box, put it in the offering box on your way out. I would love to follow up with you personally and to talk about this, this faith in Jesus. Let's look at verse 15. It says, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips, that acknowledge his name and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You see, when Jesus is greater than my way, what this preacher is saying is like, here's what it looks like. When Jesus is greater than my way, it looks like praise to God. It looks like you look across the landscape of your life and you can see God's fingerprints all over it and you give him the glory for it, the good stuff and the bad stuff. I love that song that we sing about God, you're so good, God, you're so good, God, you're so good. And then there's this line, but when suffering comes, we will remember that God, you're so good. That's what acknowledging God looks like. You see his fingerprints all over your life. You do good and, and you're generous. And what's interesting is, is, is what it says right at the end. It says, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Do you know there's a way to make, there's a way, I don't know make is the right word, that God smiles when we walk by faith. Like when Jesus is greater than my way, God feels joy. Like he looks at you and loves you no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. But what brings him the greatest joy is when he sees you walking by faith when he sees you following him and taking every step with him. God feels joy when we trust him. Even when trusting him doesn't make sense. God is pleased when our faith in God through Jesus is seen by others in worship and service and generosity. But there's one more place where this trust is tested, right? 
There's one more place where honesty has to be there for trust to grow and where we have to be honest about our own dirt and our own defilement. I have to be honest about mine. You have to be honest about yours. And it's the verse that if I was gonna skip over this entire series, it would be this one in verse 17. Because it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now then, I did some research on obey and submit because I wanted to find a way out. Surely, it means something else in the Greek. Unfortunately, it does not. Obey and submit means obey and submit. But I did discover this word obey has a little nuance to it as well. Because when we hear obey, what do you hear your parents saying in the back of your head? Because I said so. That's what obedience feels like, isn't it? That's what, that's what sub- submission feels like. That's not the biblical picture of obedience and submission. Obedience and submission happen where, where there is honesty and where there is trust. And this word obedience speaks to that because this word obedience can also be trust. It's used for both. It's used for trust and it's used for obey. And see, this helps me understand why our preacher took us on this field trip through Leviticus talking about the Day of Atonement where, we're, where we were to remember our leaders and, and imitate their life and, and then we're to submit and obey the leaders that we currently have and why in the world did he talk about the Day of Atonement and this one guy who carried the bull and the, and the goat carcass and, and, and had to be honest with his own defilement and I think that's why. Because he wanted us to see that this, this trust in your church leaders This submission to your church leaders has to come from a place of honesty where we all have to admit we're dirty and defiled people. That we all have to admit we need a savior because what that does is it lowers the expectations to a real level. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. The elders are not perfect. There's this verse in Acts, which I love, where where the the apostles are trying to figure out where to go next, and it says, it seemed right to us and to the Lord, so we went. Like, that's how we live this church life. We do what we think seems right before the Lord. And we understand that we're all gonna fail. We're all gonna put my way above Jesus's way. But when we all are honest with each other and we all trust in the Lord and what he's doing through us, it looks very, very different. You see, this guy who carried those carcasses out had to trust that burning his clothes and taking this ritual bath was gonna restore him to the community. And his trust looked like obedience. When we trust And what God is doing, when we trust his gospel, we trust in the Lord. And where there's trust, there is submission. And so when Jesus is greater than my way, I trust and submit to the leaders of my church is what it looks like. Now, y'all, we're Americans and we don't typically trust authority, period. 
right? And so this doesn't just go against our souls. It goes against our culture to trust and obey leaders. And this is where I take great comfort. I'm not telling you this, God is. And so here's the question which this preacher would ask of his congregation, and I ask of you, is do you trust your leaders? And the question I have for you to consider too is are you honest with your own dirtiness and your own defilement, your own need for a savior? Because that kind of honesty builds trust. And see, when I'm honest and you're honest, there's this trust that's there with us. And so church, we have to ask ourselves, how are we doing at that? Because here's what this preacher wants you to know about the leader's role, the, the elder's role in the rest of verse 17. It says, obey and submit to them, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. And so the elder's job, our job is to shepherd you as a congregation, that, that our job is to watch over your souls. A shepherd protects, a shepherd provides. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna protect you from things that, that aren't good for your soul. We wanna provide for you things that are. But look who's watching us do that. It says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as though those who will, uh, who will have to give an account. It means one day the elders here at fellowship are gonna stand before God and we're gonna be judged on how we shepherded you. Now that keeps me up at night. The decisions that come to that leadership team, the decisions that come to that elder team are big decisions. And our heart is to shepherd you and to protect you and to provide for you. Because we know one day we're gonna have to stand and give an account for that. You see, God is watching me how I lead you as one of the elders. But here's the deal. And here's what this, I think, guest preacher wanted to remind this congregation of. That not only is God watching us how we lead, but because he gave that command, because God's word, God's word says to obey and submit to your elders, it means that God is watching you too. That I will be judged for how I lead, we will be judged for how we lead the elders, but you will be judged for how you follow. And y'all, this is called church. And when we do this with honesty, when we do this with honesty with ourselves and with each other and this trust in God, this is what happens. It says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so what happens when we are honest with each other and we're trusting God to provide for us and we're trusting God to protect us and we're trusting God to lead us, what happens is that it produces joy. When Jesus is greater than my way, it produces a joy in the elders as we get to lead. And I'm gonna tell you, as, as a, you know, the, the guy who's been pastoring here for, for 10 years, that most of my job has been joyful. There's been some groaning too, right? 
but most of it has been joyful. And do you know what makes that joy happen? Is you. At the end of the update that I write, and you hear me say it up here, I really do love being the church with you. And these 10 years of ministry here that we get to celebrate in a couple, couple of weeks, these 10 years of ministry have been great. And I look forward to many, many, many more because of you, because here's what I've seen in you as a congregation. I've seen you understand your need for the gospel. I've seen you be honest about your own sin and your own failures and your own shortcomings. And I've seen you come to the elders and come to me and come to the leaders with that kind of posture where you don't expect us to be perfect. You don't expect us to do everything right. And you're honest and and there's trust that's been there. In church, that is a beautiful thing. And that's what we need to keep on doing. And on those days where there's groaning, I wanna talk to you about the elders and be honest with you kind of from from my perspective of the last last 10 years of ministry. Most of them have been joyful. But this last little season of ministry has been one of the darkest times of ministry that I've had. And it's been hard and it's been challenging, but let me tell you, you have got a group of elders that love you and that love me, and we have been walking through life together. And I will tell you right now that these men have a walk with the Lord that when they die, you will imitate their faith. Because they are not making decisions based on whims. They are not making decisions based on culture. They are following hard after God. And I trust them. And let me tell you, you you can too. But the first step is, are you honest? And the question for you, which this pastor is asking his congregation, is how are you doing at obeying and submitting to those leaders, to those elders? How's your honesty with God and with each other? And maybe we need to start there. And that's where I want to end today is is kind of stopping on this, this place of being honest with God and honest with each other. But because before we leave this place, I want to make sure that you've had time. If God has been stirring on your heart something that you need to address with him about your own defilement, about your own dirtiness, about your own sin, about your own desire to want your way over anybody else's way, I want to give you time to confess that before God. And remember that we have a gospel that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means whatever it is you're about to confess, you are already forgiven for because of Jesus. All confession does, it doesn't tell God what sin is in your life. He already knows. It's you acknowledging that it's sin and you acknowledging that you need a savior to live without that sin. And so what I want us to do is to all just kind of bow our heads for just a little bit. And I want to give you space to confess any sin that you need to confess. Just to you. This isn't a a tell-all. All right, so let's 
I'll start us off in prayer and then just kind of prompt us as we go. Jesus, your gospel is good and sure and right. And Father, um, you are holy and we are just people carrying around dead carcasses of sin. And it is gross and it is smelly, but there is a way out. And Father, may we see what it is that our hands are carrying. Anything that, that hasn't been yielded to you, would we do that today? If there's any pride in our hearts, may we confess that to you. Any idolatry in our hearts where we want something more than you. there's any gossip, any slander, any lying in our hearts, may we confess that as sin to you. There's any arrogance. Any impatience. Any loss of self-control. any drunkenness. Any adultery. Any pornography. Any sexual immorality. 